Good morning, everybody. It is uh, Monday, February 12th, 2024. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and uh, Chief Investment Officer here at Cantor Fitzgerald Managed ETF Portfolios. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. If you'd like intro week action, you can follow me on LinkedIn, Herb Morgan, or on Twitter at ETF underscore strategist. Presentation you are seeing and or uh, hearing uh, has been designed uh, for use with both financial advisors and individual investors, but each are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There's no recommendation for the purchase or sale of any securities. The information contained herein is purely informational. Well, we had another up, up week in equities, and it's right to be asking the question, are stocks getting too expensive? Um, they're getting expensive for sure, uh, they're getting expensive because the uh, earnings are good enough. Um, there's expectations, of course, that the Fed has done hiking rates and perhaps even cutting rates. Uh, no longer are those expectations for a March rate cut, but there is a June rate cut. Uh, there's growing acceptance of the soft landing narrative. But as you'll see later in the presentation, uh, all of that being the case, uh, we're still getting to sort of lofty high multiples. The S&P was up 1.4% last week. Mid and small cap participated, which they have not been doing as of late, as did international. Interest rates rose a little bit. Uh, the aggregate bond index, aggregate bond index, that is down about eight tenths of a percent. And long dated 20 plus year treasury index down a little over 2% on the week. The economic data continues to roll in and it continues to be uh, mostly positive, uh, really to a surprise of a lot of folks. S&P Global's U.S. Services PMI for the month of January uh, showed continued expansion. Service sector, keep in mind, is about 85% of the U.S. economy. Um, came in at 52.5. Last month was 51.4, a little bit above the estimate. So all good news there. Similarly, we get a report from ISM, which also measures the service sector of the U.S. economy. ISM, or Institute for Supply Management, says uh, that services expanded at a more rapid pace than they did in January, um, or excuse me, in January than they did in December. Uh, and they came in at 53.4, which was both above January, or excuse me, above December and above estimates of 52. New orders surged to 55, suggesting further gains above 50 in the coming months. Business activity strong at 55.8. And employment even got back into expansion territory at 50 and a half. One of the components to GDP, the GDP figure, which is important, is uh, the balance of trade. Uh, trade deficits are a subtraction from GDP. Trade surpluses are an addition. We have had uh, a trade deficit really in this country for as long as any of us can remember. Uh, and in December, that trade deficit went up a little bit from a 62 billion to a little more than 62 billion monthly deficit on increases in both imports, 1.3% and exports. But even though it was up in the month, you could see here, there's been a trend. There's been a trend going on really since 2022 early we've begun to see this go away. Part of that is uh, U.S. has been importing less energy, more domestic production of energy that's, that's continued. 
uh, over the last six or eight years. Uh, and that's all been solid, good, good news. Uh, but still, at a roughly 60 billion a month clip, uh, that's a significant subtraction from the GDP calculation. Consumer credit for the month of December rose just 1.5 billion. The estimate was for 16, so that was a big miss. Uh, that was after a massive gain in November of 23 billion. Uh, for all of 2023, total credit grew just 2.4%, was the smallest increase in three years. And let's talk about this because, you know, why would people take less credit? Well, you think, well, because interest rates are going up, right? Interest rates have gone up from an extended period of zero to a now more normalized rate. In fact, the Fed funds rate, which is a 5.5%, um, is really kind of close to historic norm just not the norm of the last 20 years. So why hasn't, you know, the, 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 the monetary theory says, oh, you keep raising rates, interest expense goes through the roof, that slows down economic activity, it cools the inflationary pressures in the economy, and the unintended consequence of all that is it ultimately leads to and causes recession. But this time around, we've had the interest rates, hikes have been going for an extended period of time. They've been sizable. Now we're, we're sort of hanging out at this 5.5% Fed funds rate. So what's happened? Well, here's a couple of um, consumer graphs for you. Let's start with the one on the left. Household debt to disposable income. That's the amount of debt as a percentage of our disposable income. Well, you go back here and you say, wow, this was out of control at 135%. Well, that was back up leading to the financial crisis. Lots of the liar loans, big loans. Uh, remember the, uh, you get a, fog a mirror, you get a mortgage loan. Well, lending standards have been tightened and improved in this country. At the same time, interest rates have gone up. People have said, well, maybe I don't want to take on more debt. Or many, many people locked in ultra low, long-term 30-year fixed rate mortgages back when we were at this COVID-related scenario where interest rates were essentially at zero. So we're not getting the strain on the consumer. These higher rates aren't straining the consumer now, in the aggregate. Certainly some consumers are strained by that. People with variables, people trying to get a mortgage for the first time, all of those things. But in the aggregate, in the economy, it's pretty good. This graph on the right is household debt service and principal payments. This is how much of our income we spend on servicing our debt and paying down our principal, mortgage payments, credit cards, et cetera. And as you can see, well, yeah, it's come up from your, you know, from there, from the COVID, you know, zero interest rate environment, but it's been steadily very low. Again, it's that post-08 environment that debt hangover environment, we all sort of learned our lesson and were once bitten twice shy about getting uh, into significant debt. But what about corporations? Because this is a, what's helping earnings. Here's a couple of graphs that we pulled from a Deutsche Bank uh, research report last week, which was excellent. And the first one on the left is uh, US corporate net interest expense, obviously not banks, so they take out the banks for obvious reasons. Uh, the net interest expense of U.S. corporations as a percentage of gross domestic income is going down, going down as interest rates are going up. Why? Well, massive U.S. corporations that had access to these capital markets 
companies like Apple and Google, they have no need to borrow money back when we artificially put interest rates to zero. But why wouldn't they, right? They could use that money for stock buybacks. They could put it in a money market and earn more than they're paying on it and simply arbitrage the interest rates. Or you could even buy back those bonds that maybe they issued at par when rates were one or 2%, that now they could buy them back at 60 or 70 cents on the dollar. This chart on the, on the right, the change in non-financial net corporate interest expense since 2021 is a percentage of gross domestic income. Look at the US, non-financial, non-bank, corporate interest expense at a time where interest rates are going up and up and up, total money spent, says the same thing in both graphs, is down in the US, down in the UK, up slightly in the UK and in, in the Euro area, but not by a whole lot. So who's paying this higher interest? If consumers are not paying the higher interest, if corporations aren't paying the higher interest, who is? Well, we are. <laughs> it's the debt on the US Treasury securities because the, 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 uh, the, the fiscal arm of our government, the Congress appropriated massive amounts of borrowing and massive amounts of spending during COVID, signed off, of course, ultimately by the president at the time, um, massive amounts of corporate debt. And so net interest, interest payments each year in U.S. Treasury debt securities, you know, just go back here to the 90s. We we're, you know, let's call it 300 billion a year. We're now at close to 600 billion a year or double. Now, admittedly, the economy's larger, et cetera. But this is where it's gone. It's this great debt super cycle where in a way the great financial crisis sort of the households were holding uh, you know, the car, the bad debt and the debt suddenly just got moved over to the federal level and then got piled on uh, with the COVID crisis and a massive deficit finance spending, which is continuing. You know, one of the things about, hey, we've got this great expansion of GDP, uh, but it is peacetime, relatively speaking. Uh, we're not in a declared formal war. We're not in a recession, and yet we're still massively deficit spending at a time when our interest expense has gone significantly higher. Moving on to jobs claims last week, weekly initial finish for unemployment fell from 227 to 218,000. That's low, that's good, no recession anywhere in sight. Earnings continue to come in fine, 334 or 500 S&P companies have reported, 264 of those have beat, only 52 have failed to beat. Average earnings surprise is about 7.5% above the consensus estimates. Some of the big winners include energy, 13% surprise, consumer discretionary, 13% plus, and uh, where are we looking here? We're looking at financials at a little over a 10% um, surprise. Tech, only five, and communications, only five as well, which is really more tech. So what's happening though, is the market continues to go higher. Why? Well, people are convinced the Fed's done hiking rates and they probably are, though there's significant risk of re-acceleration of inflationary trends. But now we are seeing the estimate earnings per share, 12 month forward blending estimate based on the earnings reports we just got and the guidance that's being given by the companies, you can see that is starting to turn lower. So if your earnings estimates are turning lower and your stock prices are going higher, that means your valuation's going up and you're having what we call multiple expansion. So we're now down to you know, 
209, let's call it blended forward. That's down from 228 uh, about a year and a half ago. So that's interesting. And here's what's happening to the blended forward PE ratio. Based on that estimate that's going down and the price, the S&P going up, we've gone from a 16 forward multiple in October of 22, now to a 24 forward multiple. And that is up there as high as we've been in a long time, in a very long time. Can we go higher? Of course. But stocks are not cheap. They just aren't. Moving forward, uh, economic data for this week, we have uh, New York Fed's one-year inflation expectations. That's pretty important, actually. They haven't had one below three. I expect that to come out any minute here this morning. Small business optimism and the CPI uh, coming out. Uh, well, that's going to be important as well, dictating Fed policy. Then nothing on Wednesday. Thursday, a whole lot of manufacturing, retail, jobless claims, Philly Fed, uh, import-export prices, et cetera, uh, capacity utilization, uh, business inventories, housing, and then housing starts, permits, and the PPI or producer price on Friday, and consumer sentiment. And of course, still we've got more earnings to come this week. Don't forget, you can get this by going to our website or emailing info at efficient-portfolios. If you do email info at efficient-portfolios, we will send you this every week in an email. You click and you can see the charts and graphs. We've never used it for anything else. We don't use it for anything else just to send you the email if you want it. Otherwise, you can tell your smart device to play the podcast uh, and that it's audio only. You don't get the uh, graphs and charts, which I think are super valuable. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back again in one week.